Welcome to Level 7, Episode Number 122, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 5, 521,600, I mean, I mean 4,722 hours. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. a magical place. Hello and welcome back to the podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm sorry if I put that song in your head, but ever since they announced the title of this episode... I've just been able to hear that song playing over and over and over, and I really should apologize if I put it in your head, but I am not alone. I have been joined here by my friend and yours, Grumpy Daniel Butcher. Grumpy? And, well, you put that in my mind, and now I'm even more grumpy. Yeah, 525,600 You know what made me really grumpy? What? When you claim to be grumpier than me today. I didn't claim to be grumpier than you. I just was trying to snatch away any joy you had because I was also grumpy. And, and you it were... made me even more grumpy. Yeah. You know, <sighs> one of those There's days. No hope, Ben. No hope. <laughs> well, that's how we can do this episode together then, Daniel. We can work together and I can, I can be the voice of hope and you can be the voice of doom. How's that sound? Works for me. Okay. All right, so Doom Boy, uh, are you ready to talk about some news before we start talking about this pretty anticipated episode of the podcast and well, of Agents of Shield anyway? I don't know if anyone's anticipating the episode of the podcast, but they've Let's been waiting in. for this episode of Agents of Shield. Let's tear into it. All right, Shield Intelligence Report. All right, Daniel, do you want to go red or you want to go purple? Let's go purple. Let's go purple. Okay, so let's talk about Jessica Jones. The trailer has been released. It's an official trailer that actually shows you parts of the show, gives you some dialogue from the show. And instead of being a tone trailer or a teaser, really, which, by the way, those those tone teasers were kind of nice. They gave us little elements here and there of kind of the spookiness or the horror of what we're going to get into, but also some of the, you know, goofy character bits and stuff like that. This one takes us full on into the, the universe of Jessica Jones and by extension, the Netflix series universe thoughts, Daniel. It looks bloody. I watched the trailer and thought about you because I thought Daniel's going to feel tense when he watches this. Yeah. It was kind of strange to watch a trailer and actually feel tense with the trailer. <laughs> but I've been so tense lately. I've just been grumpy all the time because of all the tensity. Yeah. My grumpiness just kind of faded away. I mean, it was a one of those days at work where I was, I left work feeling grumpy, but I got home. There's my kids waiting for me. I was looking forward to this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And you know, you really could have turned that around if you had said, Daniel sent me a few messages and that made me less grumpy. But no, Daniel, now I'm your messages were all about wanting to punch Jeff Bridges in the face. Okay, who can hold that against me? <laughs> I do. 
I think we're way off topic here, though. So let's get back on to Jessica Jones. Um, you were feeling tense from the trailer, yeah. which I think is what they were probably wanting you to feel. I, I did text somebody at work today who really like Daredevil. And I made the comment that I thought just and they were interested in Jessica Jones. And I made the comment. I thought it looked like they were going to notch it up another level. And their comment was, oh, goodness, is that even possible? <laughs> well, I think like, I think it's going a different direction, though. I mean, this feels more character driven psychological terror rather than just kind of the violent terror of, of the Daredevil series. Um, you say that, but there's a lot of blood. There is a lot of blood. There is a lot of blood. What we're seeing with those shots with all the blood is a lot of the after effects of some pretty horrific events. And, you know, there's blood, there's people hanging by their necks with a rope around their neck. I mean, there's, there's some pretty chilling, um, imagery going on there and then you also have some kind of witty banter type dialogue and but then you know you've got this character Jessica Jones who we're gonna like her I, I really have a feeling we're going to like her um, she's going to have a pretty witty acerbic tongue but she's also damaged and she's you know definitely feels it and doesn't doesn't try and fight it uh, as far as knowing that it's it's there, and she's very self aware of the damage. So, well, you know what I did last night after watching the trailer, Ben. I have a feeling that you read the comic. I did because you sent messages about the comic, so that's how I and, knew. And I will say, I feel like you're right. I mean, if there, we know Bendis is involved with this. He's the creator. He wrote that first alias. Uh, Jessica Jones comic series. And she does seem pretty aware of her damage. Now, I think it's a different kind of damage than we're going to see in the Netflix show, just because of the fact that they're not going to be able to do some of the things they did in the comic. You know, you're not going to be able to retcon her as an Avenger, for example. But she does seem to be pretty aware of what's going on. She definitely has a wicked tongue. That's very honest. Um, when someone's trying to set her up, she'll call it out. When someone's not a good person, she'll call it out. And I do think we're going to see some awkward situations because really in her profession, as, as she tells many of her clients, this won't end well. I'll take your money, but this won't end well. Never does. And I've been wanting to read those comics. I think I might avoid the comics now. Until after the series, maybe. So you you you've read some of these, and and you can be the one as we talk about the the show who has has read the books, and then I can be the one who's kind of coming at it from a you know I'm experiencing the story new. I don't have any of the the, the history. I've read a couple of the comics. I don't remember how far I actually read when they were first coming out, um, but I can't remember how far I went. Uh, and I, I know I didn't buy all of them. I just think I just bought the first issue, maybe the first two. But. And Ben, I don't know about you, but I feel very comfortable saying that we'll be done with our review of the entire Jessica Jones series before July, 2017. 
That's good. What what happens then? I just feel like we could be done by then. <laughs> yeah, our 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 scheduling will be interesting. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it works out, but the the thing I'm worried about is if we're bouncing back and forth between two shows during a single week or during the oh. course of a month, you know, we're there's going to be bounce, buddy. Yeah. We're going to do yo-yos. So I, I'm not a, I'm not sure the best way to approach that. I don't know if there is a best way to approach that, at least in the confines of the way this show works. So we'll, we'll figure it out though as we come closer and and get to know what we the Agents of Shield. Month, I know, less but than a month. well, but the Agents of Shield schedule. You know, when is their holiday hiatus going to come? That break between Agents of Shield and Agent Carter. But I have a feeling we'll start talking about Jessica Jones while we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we'll finish talking about Jessica Jones, hopefully, while we're talking about Agent Carter. (laughs) We'll see. I would not count on that. We will see. We have some ideas. We have some ideas. It involves time machines. Yeah. Yeah. We've put Hero Nakamura. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Wait, that's post-credit conversation, Daniel. Post-credit. So anyway, Jessica Jones, looking forward to it. Uh, so you, that was purple because of the purple man who is played by David Tennant and who seems particularly chilling. Um, that's a man with range. That's a man with range. Have you have you watched Broadchurch? I have not. Have you seen him in Harry Potter? No. Okay. No, I haven't. And then there's a family comedy that he did or a family drama kind of thing that he did. I was curious to see, but... Broadchurch is the crime drama that he was a part of. And again, he's got range. He's got range. And a lot of what he, the exuberance that he brings to Doctor Who, um, I think he's able to channel that energy and it makes it even a little more um, chilling to me anyway. I keep using that word. (laughs) Maybe you're cold. I'm not cold. Put on a blanket. I'm not cold. All right. I'm not. So, David Tennant, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the connections with Power Man or Luke Cage um, and how that's going to work. Does he have powers? Of course he does. Does he? Or is this going to lead into something that causes him to have his origin story happen? I mean, that's. I'm looking forward to these answers. No, he doesn't have to. We can't send him back to prison. We can. No. Absolutely, we could. I'm excited to see how it all works out. All right. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I just want Iron Fist. I just just want all those rumors about Iron Fist being replaced (sighs) by Punisher and Iron Fist being replaced by that. I just want it to go away. Just make it go away. I want my Iron Fist. Tell me who my Danny Rand is. See, this is my problem. This is my problem. This is why I don't want a Black Widow movie. Because if we had a Black Widow movie, then we would lose... One of our other movies, which could be Captain Marvel that we would lose. It could be Black Widow has her nice place within the Avengers. Punisher, let him have his place in the Daredevil show. We don't need to give him his own show. We're already seeing him in another one. Let's give the shows to other people who haven't had a chance to get exposure. Like Iron Fist. Is it really that hard to find, I don't know, a blonde guy who can do martial arts? I think the problems I'm hearing people talk about is not so much the casting but the approach. How do you do Iron Fist without it being Kung Fu, the series? Is, is, well, what's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
I, I've got an entire volume behind me of Iron Fist right there. We can do it as a series. There's a lot of stories you can do. You do his origin story, which sure, similar to Kung Fu, but it's similar to a whole bunch of Kung Fu type stories. And then I, I'm just take him you, out of there. Bring him to the city you, right away. You do, you do. You bring him out. You bring him out of the city. You have the series open. He's new in Hell's Kitchen. He meets Ka- Colleen Wing and Dad. And then he begins to reintegrate himself within New York City and Hell's Kitchen. Then you can even do flashbacks to Kun Loon. I could write it right now. You can do all that stuff. Plus, you can get a, a little bit of a you know Guardians of the Galaxy element, where you know Star Lord he's a child of the '80s, right? So this is a kid who, when he was six years old, was lost in the Himalayas back in the '90s. He wants to know where so all. Yeah, he wa- well, he wants to know what happened to New Kids on the Block. You know, they were hot when he was a kid. His older sister used to listen to them all the time. That kind of thing. You could, I mean, maybe. And, and it's not. Until maybe Iron that's even Serpent too old. Starts, not until Iron Serpent shows up do you begin to have those flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. And then you also bring in Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu. Well, I think we should. I think we should at least see him. I think they can. They just can't bring in his dad. Wink, wink. Bottom line, I want Iron Fist. They promised me Iron Fist. I am entitled to Iron Fist. I demand Iron Fist. If I don't get it, I'm going to be Mr. McGrumperson. Oh, man. If we don't get Iron Fist, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Marvel right now and say, Daniel's going to be even more grumpy. <laughs> and he's already just like Eeyore mixed with, I don't even know. I'm just telling Some... you, though. I'm, I've just read the first 25 to 30 issues of Iron Fist. And you could build an entire series off that. You just move it into our Hell's Kitchen of Netflix. We already got Jessica there. We got Luke there. We got Matt there. And and you you have him be the man out of time and culture. It's perfect. Yeah, there's there's a lot that could be done without worrying. But, you know, the other thing is Daredevil was a huge hit. And so the bar was set really high. So this is not saying, hey, we're going to build Iron Fist out of Bill Bixby's Incredible Hulk. This is, hey, we're we're going to build Iron Fist out of Daredevil, out of this Jessica Jones. You know, that's a high bar. And, and I could see maybe being a little gun shy. Well, ben, all ben, of our ideas I'm, aren't that level. I'm kind of concerned. Maybe I'm a little bit. Too much of a hot mess over this Iron Fist situation, but that's not even the item we're talking about. It's true. It's true because that's a rumor. <laughs> it's pure rumor, pure speculation, I would say. We had a trailer for Netflix. and it, It's going to be followed by Daredevil and then followed by Luke Cage, and then we'll have Iron Fist. So that's purple, though. Because they told us we're going to have Iron Fist. So what's red, Daniel? Agent Carter has a new cast member. Kurtwood Smith. Red. Red of That 70s show. show. Yeah, I never watched it. You never watched it? No, not really my uh, thing. I did just for nostalgia's sake. Mm, just really was never my thing. I did like him in RoboCop. Yeah, he was in RoboCop. I always, my go-to is first Red because just that's more recent. But then Dead Poet Society. I want to read you a line from comicbook.com. Okay. All right. Read By it. the way, 
Vernon Masters, the character he's playing, is a veteran of the War, de- War Department with a keen understanding of how to work the system. So he's clearly Sergeant Bilko. But anyway, <laughs> the last line of comicbook.com says the following. In the wild speculation department, Vernon Masters does not register as a known character from the Marvel Comics universe. However, the supervillain Taskmaster was born Tony Masters. Coincidence or connection? Question mark. Well. Yeah, I would say it's probably coincidence or connection. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, go with I'm con- square with that right right I'm there. I'm gonna go with coincidence, but I don't know what's wrong with me actually dreaming of a possible Booster Gold and Blue Beetle movie that has Nathan Fillon and Alan Turdick. What what was wrong with that? Okay, again, we're switching topics I, it's here. It's not news, but but what was wrong with that? It, it's it ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Just the idea. It was the idea. I knew it wasn't real. Okay, all right. Stan, Stan Lee puts a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, and that was one of those things that he put out yeah. there was that this was happening and then started going off about what if this happened and, and it was them and – you yeah, know what great. needs to happen? DC needs to cancel their entire movie slate now to make this happen. I don't think they need to. I don't think they need to cancel anything to make it happen. It can still happen. They just need to make it happen. It's not going to happen, but. No, it's not. But okay. at least it gave me joy. Hey, let's talk about 525,600 minutes. You ready? Let's do it. Mission report. So we had a ticking clock. Well, a we, constant a reminder while. of the passage of time. For a little while. What do you mean for a little while? Okay. So when I was in high school, I did a little um, improvisational acting, Benjamin. Uh huh. I had to do a scene for five minutes that I made up myself. And I always started with an accent. <laughs> By the end of the episode, my accent was usually gone. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed, but our clock was like really, really consistent. Boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Mm-hmm. And then other than the big montage to show us the time passed in a big way, our clock kind of disappeared. Uh, no, it didn't. Because well, the okay, last the clock for sundown? The last, the clock for sundown was 4,720. And 4,722 hours is where she was rescued. There was two hours between that. I'm just saying, we began to lose our clock. We didn't. I was writing on page five. On page five, I have an entire section where I quit writing numbers. I And, and we switched between scenes. Was this act four that you're talking about? I, I had can't. numbers. I have numbers this whole way through my notes, except but, for Act Five, like the discussion of scoli- scoliosis. Okay, what number did that happen at? Let's see, scoliosis. That was around three thousand one hundred eighty-three. You just said around. No, that's the number I wrote down. Three thousand one hundred eighty-three. Yeah, I didn't. I see think it. I missed a number there, though. That was one of these numbers I missed, and there was one that I I saw it and I was like, and at what number did Gemma lose hope? Um, five, uh, 3,575. Okay. Maybe I just quit looking at the clock. <laughs> That's quite possible. Did they move the clock on me and I didn't notice it? Mm. I'm just saying we had a ticking clock and mm. yes, I, I also was with you with the lost accent. Um, we would make our, our home movies and we'd start out in character. And then by the end of the scene, we would have lost our accent 
but then we would, you know, break that fourth wall and start yeah, talking I just feel what like my clock went away. But the clock didn't go away. What happened was they stuck with it. Like if there wasn't a significant passage of time, they just didn't use the clock to take you from scene to scene. They were just using it as an opportunity for you to kind of see that passage of time. So that's, well, that's where I'm at. We got nothing else. That's pretty much it. Okay. Well, let's move on to listener feedback. Uh, no. Okay. So our, this is pretty linear. I mean, you can't get much more linear than what they gave us here with a ticking clock. We're really just following one character through her three months of of being on this planet. So shall we just go through the clock here in our teaser? I I think we can. We can go. I mean, linear is the only way to really do this. Well, we could go character by character, (laughs) which would just be, you know, following Gemma. Um, Here, I can do it. Ready? Character by character. We have Gemma, who's lost on a, a planet of unknown origin, talks to her phone a lot, and has hope till the very end and falls in love. Then we have Will, an astronaut who's lost all hope, gains his hope, and falls in love. He gets stuck on a planet. The end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really is the story. The story is Simmons trapped on a planet that she never made. That's a little Howard the Duck reference for those of you who were wondering. She's trapped on a planet. She meets someone who was also trapped on the planet. Together, they try to get off the planet. They realize that they aren't going to be able to. There's a monster out there somewhere of some form or another. And they see a flare. It's a portal. It's an escape. And only Gemma escapes. That's that's our plot right there. Yep. And yeah, so let's get into some of the details here. (laughs) Our teaser starts out with Fitz asking for that dinner date. And then Simmons getting pulled into the monolith and then vomited up from the earth of the planet. Yeah, you you can call it the earth of, of a planet, even if it's not earth, right? But she gets vomited up. It closes behind her. There's no signal on her cell phone. She sees there's two moons. Six hours later, she makes a report on her phone. Gravity is stronger or maybe I'm tired. Nope, it's stronger. Um, She has hope that Fitz will find a way. 13 hours now into it. Um, What does Fitz say? If you can't solve a problem, sleep on it. So she literally sleeps on (laughs) the spot where she's hoping the, the portal is going to open nearby. 22 hours later, she's startled awake. There's no sun. 71 hours later, and this is the end of our teaser because we get our title card after this. She's crying out for the sun. Where's the sun? What did you do to it? And then we get a sci-fi looking title card. Now, how did you feel about that? I thought it was kind of cool. I did too. It was kind of nice to have a little change. It, It was. I mean, I... If they had gone with the normal one, it wouldn't have been a problem. But they kept the same font as the clock that's ticking. And it made it feel like, oh, we're watching a mini sci-fi movie. Which it is. I mean, this is kind of a Robinson Crusoe kind of story. It's kind of a castaway or... um, Martian. The Martian, yeah. The Martian or Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Uh, 
or you know any any number of of those kind of things where you've got you know you're just trapped and she is so we come back from the act <laughs> from the the title card 79 hours now she's she can't wait around so she's going to leave markers behind and she starts walking and she's leaving markers and arrows and 87 hours she's still leaving markers and talking about the date 91 hours she's found water no she's looking for water she's still looking for water she's still looking for it she climbs you over have to a remember ridge. she's established that she can go 100 hours and so they're going to make us tense by showing us 100 hours yeah. and still not have water well and they're also going to make us tense because a sandstorm is coming. And what does a sandstorm sandstorm do? Wipes away her markers. <sighs> Not good. But she does find water. She drinks it. She jumps in. Takes a bath. Oh, she's taking more than a bath. She's swimming. She's, she's paddling. In, yeah. She's just taking it easy, relaxing. But then she gets pulled down by a <laughs> the trash compactor monster from... Star Wars, it's a strange tentacle, which she's able to cut off. And then she, well, two hours later, eats it. See, because it was 109 when she was bathing and 111 when she actually eats the strange tentacle. So, yeah, then we have a big time jump to 492 hours in. She's talking to Fitz. She's going to go in the water. She's going to fight the monster. And she takes the monster's tentacle. She makes a fire. She calls it a monster plant, which that's kind of fun. She cooks it. She eats it. And her phone battery still has not died yet. We do get an answer. I was so glad that they gave us an answer, but her phone battery did not die. And then she hears some movement in the bamboo-ish type trees. She goes to investigate and falls into a pit, lands, and then the hole that she fell through gets covered up super quick. And that's our act break. That is our next commercial. So <laughs> what do we have here, Daniel? What do you want to talk about? Well, I'm glad you brought up the phone. I mean, my phone doesn't last that long. No. I mean, I was out this weekend in the woods and I definitely was on top of how long my battery charge would last because I was in charge of taking the pictures. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, even, even conserving battery, you know, a, a good battery is going to last you, what, 12 hours at the most. Yeah, That's a good battery and you're being very careful with it, <laughs> but not her. Well, and the answer is, it's a, as we'll find out, it's a shield phone. It's a you shield know. phone that Fitz monkeyed around with. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I mean. Is it, It's Fitz tech, which makes it a shield phone because he did it for her. And he may have given it to other people. But it's got a super long-lasting battery because Fitz be the man. <laughs> and that's really one of the other things we're picking up here in this first act is Fitz be the man. Fitz is really her focus. It's... He's her comforter, even though he's not there. It's her counselor because he's giving her advice. Again, not there. You know, if he can't solve a problem, sleep on it. Um, she is what she trusts, what she's putting her hope in, and her anchor 
to whatever is on the other side of the portal. Anchor, that's the word that I was I was looking for. Um, or that focal point where she's just, she is focused on this person fits. He's really, I mean, quite literally the only person in the world who could help her, who could rescue her. I mean, she, there's no hope with beyond that. He's the only one who really knows what happened, who can also, you know, find out how to make it happen again. So she's right. I mean, this is the one guy. If you're going to be best friends with somebody and get lost on a planet, he's the guy you want to be best friends with. He's naive enough to actually think he could help you, but he's also skilled enough that he actually could help you. So I'm, yeah, I mean, Fitz is the guy. You're right. Easy. The moon, the sun, and and the other sun. No, no. In this case, the the planet and the other planet. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's another thing is established here early is there is no sun. Yeah, it's just kind of this it constant bluish light, lighting. which is great because it now allows us to make California look like a foreign land thanks to a just a simple filter. Well, you know, hey, if it worked for Star Trek, why not? I mean, that's all they had to do. Put some people in a funky looking lizard suit and go out in the the desert there and you got yourself an alien world. So that and it's not just Star Trek. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Battlestar Galactica nineteen eighty. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's you're talking about the Starbuck episode. That was a good episode. Similar to this episode, actually. <laughs> All about a guy on a planet, trapped. Yeah. So from here, we go into Act 2. And this is where things, you know, they couldn't have gone much longer with the kind of stuff they were doing in Act 1. Um, this isn't Castaway. This is not <laughs> directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, this is a TV show. We've got commercials. We've got a, you know short attention spans. We have not paid money to sit in the theater to watch this. So they got to give us something. And what are they going to give us? She's in a cage. She's got food. She's got water. A guy comes in and leaves. That's at hour 761. Hour 783, she's still in the cage. Guy comes in, leaves. (laughs) Hour 824, she has been in this cage for days now. Guy comes in and she talks to him. She's exercising. I'm I'm almost feeling like, I mean, let's be honest. She likes her exercise. She's a person of routine. I feel like that episode where she woke up, was doing the jogging, running, you know, to the music and getting ready for a day of work at Hydra. This is her getting ready for her day at, you know, being a captive in a cage. Yeah. But she's keeping to her routine. She is. She's she knows how to deal with these kind of things. Now earlier we talked about how after she had come back and she's talking to Andrew, she's able to self-diagnose. She knows clinically post-traumatic stress. She knows clinically what's happening with her and is able to play on that and use that. Same thing here. She knows what's happening. She knows Okay, keep a routine. Keep it going. And 
yeah, she's she's doing well. She's she's doing a good job. And you know what else she's doing? We're, we're planning, getting another- scheming. She's seen <laughs> movies like The Great Escape. Well, and I mean, I'm reminded of you know Star Trek, <laughs> where she a day later. This is our eight fifty one now. She has eaten some food. She falls over. She say, "You poisoned me. Why would you do that?" And you know, judging from the look on his face, we know he's acting, uh, or she's acting. We know he she's acting. She hasn't really been poisoned. Uh, he's confused. What's going on? And she's a smart young lass. She is very, very smart. And she is not just, what is it, book smart. She is street smart. She has been a few times around the block with S.H.I.E.L.D. And so she uses her food dish and (laughs) smacks him on the head. And she's out of there. She's starting to run. And he's chasing her down. She cuts herself and then while they're out there and he catches up with her because of this nasty, nasty cut, they look and there's a sandstorm. But it's not just a sandstorm. He says, it's coming. And when they go back down into the cave, this is where you realize this isn't some random guy who just fell through a hole. He has, right. He's a survivalist. He has rope. He has a ladder that's metal. It's not a ladder made out of bamboo. He has supplies. He has chair. I was going to say, don't forget the folding sports chairs. Yeah. No, I mean, he's got he's got a nice They're indispensable nice to a sporting parent. Indispensable. <laughs> and But he also has supply, like, you know, medical supplies. And she's going to sew herself up because she doesn't trust this guy. But they start talking about the thing that's out there. And that's that it's death. Now, we've already heard that death is what the portal leads to. He's actually personifying the planet. You know, the sandstorm is a harbinger of death, of this thing that he's talking about. And the whole planet is evil. And she says, no, no, there's rules. And, you know, you can observe and you can measure. And he says, nope, this planet has no rules. It has moods. And that defies science, Ben. <laughs> well, you know... He does say, you know, a couple hours later, no, not just a couple hours. We're talking about it a, a day or a day or so later. They have some more small talk because she does. She asks him, what's your name? He says, it's Will. Um, he asks, she asks her him, how long have you been here? He can't tell because there's no sun. And so he asks her, what year is it? 2015. And he says, well, I've been here since 2001. And and that's where he, you mentioned the science stuff. He says he's not very sciencey, but he's an astronaut, and that's our commercial break right there. We start. I was to, always under the impression that even the not very sciencey astronauts are pretty sciencey. Well, but he's Just not saying. there to. He's not there as an astronaut, and they didn't have to like pilot a ship to get there. Good point. Good point. Doesn't have to do those projections. No, he doesn't have to do any kind of. But he did come out of the Air Force. So unless he was an Air Force security guard, which I have known a few in my time, he should know some science. Well, he probably, you know, he knows how to fly, but he's not there as part of the scientific part of the expedition. He's there. He's he's the security. 
He's there to make well, sure nobody dies. <laughs> and he's alone. So And we'll find out we'll find out why we'll, but after the break. <laughs> so I do find it interesting in this half. And I did jump to a bad conclusion. My bad conclusion at one point was that we were going to see her escape was when we had seen the post credit earlier in the season, which was wrong. Mm -hmm. But I do find it interesting, you know, that death smells blood. And that's one of his big concerns is to make sure the blood gets covered up. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you remember in that tag scene. She covers up some blood. She covers up some blood. So uh, he really... This is going to sound weird, especially – well, but it's not weird because in Marvel Comics, there's planets with personalities. He he gives this planet personality, which is beyond Gemma's science and understanding. You know, this planet has moods. This planet is an evil. Is evil. How can a planet be evil? Right. Well, this one is. <laughs> How can it be evil? Because it is. And he's witnessed it, though. I mean, he's witnessed – his friends go through some pretty horrible um, suicide deaths, really. And really, it's after this tag, we're going to find out a ton about Will and how Will got there and what Will was doing. And basically, you know, Will's a victim of government budget cuts. <laughs> well, yes. kind of, except yeah. for one thing. And that is at this point in time, and and this is something I was kind of wondering. We haven't gotten to this yet, but but the portal gets opened by the the pull of the moons. Well, we were warned in the purpose of the machine that perhaps it's not an understanding about our planet, but some other planet. Right, right. But they were able to open it themselves. You know. Well, no, I mean even the English guys. It, the even with Gemma's case, the portal when will they rescued open. when they rescued Gemma, they opened the portal. Oh, okay, I see what you're These saying. These other yeah. things that they're doing, she's able to figure out that there is a method to this. There is a science to this, and I mean this will this will happen later. But I, you know, to say it's it's budget. Cuts, yes, that that's a part of things, but no one else has been able to, as far as we know, other than the guys, you know, in the in the castle, no one has been able to actually open it on their own. And so it's quite possible that NASA happened to be there, was able to kind of predict some of the times when it would open, but between the time that they went through and the time when it got lost it wasn't opening. So that's, I, I'm not going to lay the blame entirely at NASA's feet. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And you should too. <laughs> you or are like you still so grumpy? Pro NASA. Or are you still so grumpy that you just, I'm very grumpy this <laughs> evening. I mean, this whole episode, my tone is grumpy. We're just so dour. Really, we we haven't been, but oh, I feel it. <laughs> I'm about to walk through this microphone and just yell at you. So here's what we're going to get now. If you can hold yourself back, Act Three gives us his flashback, his story. Now, first, he's marveling at her phone. There's we're still in that same scene, basically, where he's told her that she's he's from 2001. He's marveling at her phone. 
Uh, Fitz has engineered it to have long battery life. And we find out that there's actually light beneath the surface of the planet and heat. So the sun, which would normally give that to a barren world, it's actually coming from within the, the planet. But, you know, you could look at it as, hey, light and heat. But he looks at it as, yeah, it's the fires of hell. <laughs> it's I, I'm Daniel <laughs> and I'm just going to, you know, be a really extreme Eeyore here. You know, hey, come play with us and come to our party, Eeyore. It's the fires of hell. But yeah, NASA was curious about the monolith and he is attracted to doing things that are when he's told that it's impossible to do. He's there to guard to make sure they all survive. He's there with ah, th- the spirit of Walt Disney. <laughs> he's there to protect three astronauts. And they all die in these these manners that it seems to him that they've been taken by an evil. And so we have the question, did was there an actual it that did do this to them? Was there a psychological reason that caused them to do it from with, within themselves? Or they bring it up, they dismiss it pretty quickly, but they also bring up the possibility, could Will have done that? Could they have been killed, he, murdered by Will? Well, he just put it out there that he's the one who did it. He no, puts it I out there. He actually did. No, I, I don't, don't think so either. The story well, itself doesn't lead us to believe that. The story itself leads us to believe there is something out there in the dark. There is something out there that is preceded by a sandstorm. We see it. So I think we're, we're led to believe that there is something there. But we get some questions. So, by the way, you want to talk about those other three astronauts real quick? Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Austin, Brubaker, and Taylor. Okay? Daniel, there's a connection for these three names. And I was trying to figure it out. There's a connection. Well, I'm assuming the middle one's Ed Brubaker. Well, okay. So that is one possible connection. Ed Brubaker, Chuck Austin, he's a Marvel writer. But I don't know who the Taylor would be. But then... Of course, my mind, I hear Austin and I think Steve Austin, astronaut, a man who's barely alive, who has the crash and loses his legs, his arm becomes, you know, a six million dollar man. And then I think Taylor. And I think of a rocky planet. I think of a crash land spaceship and an astronaut named Taylor. Right. From. Planet of the Apes, you know, mm-hmm. Charlton Heston. Yeah, I'm not a Planet of the Apes guy. I know you're not, but you know who he is. It makes me grumpy. But you know who he is. Yeah, I don't know his name. He's Charlton Heston. But you know who I'm talking about when I say Charlton Heston, Rocky Planet, Planet of the Apes, right? Yeah, but if you told me Taylor, I, I might have heard you talk about it on another podcast now or then. But Okay, so my mind goes to two Just- Marvel writers... And then my mind goes to two fictional astronauts. So I went ahead and put in Austin, Brubaker, Taylor, astronaut. And I found out another movie that I've seen and enjoyed called Capricorn One has an astronaut named Charles Brubaker. 
So I think it was just a, I don't think it was meant to be Marvel creators. I think it was meant to be the writers looking for a fictional astronaut and Steve Austin, Taylor from Planet of the Apes. And then this Capricorn One is a movie about guys who are lost out in the desert because they're faking a moon landing or Mars landing. And they end up having to survive out in the actual desert here on our world because they don't want to be part of the charade. So, yeah. So that's my connection there. Right or wrong, it is a connection. Or a coincidence. <laughs> so. This is the scene, though, where we get that voice of hope versus the voice of doom. Simmons is still hopeful. Simmons is still believing we can escape. And he says there is no hope. And she says, well, we'll counteract each other. We'll counter, we'll balance each other. And they start looking. They start getting to know each other. They start asking each other questions. What do you miss? That's not food. The sun. What do you miss? That's not food. My fits. And that night when she goes to sleep, she says, good night, fits. Lovingly looking at that picture. The, <laughs> the background on her phone. And then puts the phone down and says, good night, Will. And I thought that was going to be our 30-minute twist. But it's not. It's not. 3,010 hours. And Simmons is going a little bit crazy. If there's a way in, there's a way out. She wants to go into the no-fly zone, which is a place that all three of those other guys went before they died. She goes out to collect some food and finds a sword. Finds gear. Finds one of those fancy looking things that you use on a boat that kind of looks like some triangles. And, yeah, that, that's the one. Sandstorm comes. She falls into some bones and realizes there's been other people here. And she sees a black clad Jedi. It looks like maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi chasing the Tusken Raiders away in Star Wars. It's Dr. Doom. <laughs> or Dr. Doom. You know, Will is the voice of Doom. So there could be something to that. She runs away because it's coming. They hide. She's mad because he didn't tell her about the others. That there have been other people here. And he says, you would have gone and looked. And he's right. But then she says, I can get us home. Because she has the, the sexton. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The stars are the key. The stars are the key, Daniel, to how to get home. That's our twist. That's our mid-episode 30-minute twist. It actually happens 34 minutes into the episode or around in there. So they went a little long with this act. but A lot of stuff here, Daniel. A lot of stuff. There is. I mean, we find out a lot about Will. And it's a sad story. He's definitely a castaway. And he said we a few times. And now we do know that he did have friends. He had coworkers. And sadly, to make his story even more sad, he got to watch them all pass away and die. Yeah. And he, well, and making it even more sad, that was his job for them not to die. That's not. 
Yeah. And that explains all of his supplies or why he got to pack as he really was preparing for an expedition. Now, it was a potential suicide mission, but unlike the English guys, you know, NASA promised they'd try to find him. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he had a little hope for a while. But I'm assuming that when his coworkers began to die, that was it. Yeah, that I mean, it is a tragedy, and it ends on a on a, a sour note. At this point, we know this is why she has to go back. Is this guy is here, and or at least I I'm kind of thinking that okay, well now we know why she wants to come back. I'm worried. Since I know this is why she has to come back, does that mean there was a little something more than just, hey, you're trapped on a planet. I'm trapped on a planet. Let's be friends. And we're going to find out it will be more than that. But here here we are, though. This is there, – there's some major character stuff happening here for both Will and for Simmons uh, beyond just that she has brought – hope to him which that's also a big thing it's a very important thing for his character arc he's going along with this idea maybe well we'll find out next act he is going along with it they're working together to find a way off this planet well and he should have hope i mean yes he's been here 14 years but it's been 14 continuous years i assume with no change jim arriving is a major event in his life what would you do, Daniel? I've, I was. This is what I like about watching an episode like this. I'm asking myself, okay, 14 years. How do you keep sane? You don't. He is. No, I wouldn't because my father-in-law has ridden a train from Washington to Minnesota, and it took him two days, and he took a magazine. And that <laughs> sounds to me like a nightmare. <laughs> I imagine myself writing a novel with a stone on the stone walls. That's what I imagine myself doing to try and keep myself sane. Well, the worst thing is, and then you'd be there to criticize yourself. Which I would do. But that would also keep me a little sane, right? But uh, the worst part would be what happens when you run out of wall in that cave? There's always another wall. Yeah, find another cave. Be a very, very difficult novel to carry with you on a train. <laughs> if you see you edit that, yeah, I probably wouldn't do too much editing on that. It would be a first draft kind of thing. It'd be that uh, NaNoWriMo kind of thing where you just you're just doing it to get it out. You know, you're doing. I, I got to get so many words done per day in November so I can get that that goal. Only my goal is to stay sane for 14 years until a beautiful young lady is just dropped into my lap, or rather dropped into my home, and then I put her in a cage. That that part gets a little weird. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that this kind of a show can get you thinking about, and you know, cast away makes you think about it. And Yeah. Would you be hopeful? When would you lose hope? Daniel? When I'd run out of magazine. <laughs> so first day, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm a guy who has to be entertained. So if I'm not entertained, I'm bored. Well, we find mm. out in Act 4 
that what she can do is predict the location of the portal and where and when it's going to open next based on what she knows from his arrival and her arrival. And I'm wondering every time, you know, when they, when we saw the portal kind of plop open, like that was just opening over there on the other world, right? Whenever it would just melt melt away. Um, Yep. So, I mean, he's missed opportunities. Not purposely. I mean, I'm not blaming him and saying, oh, what an idiot he missed. It's tragic. He's missed opportunities. The portal has opened and he wasn't there to see it. Uh, that's that's sad. But he, she's able to predict the location of when the portal will open based on the time, exact time and exact date and the location of when it opened for him and when it opened for her. And she's able to calculate, you know, the movement of the moons and she does a whole bunch of science. I mean, she, she just does science, man. I mean, she does it well and she uses a computer with the battery from her magic phone, her Fitz phone takes one last look at Fitz says goodbye to his picture. And now that phone He's he's rescuing her. I mean, the battery that he, he gave her, they're able to use to turn on a computer. The computer dies, but not before it gives her the information she's looking for. And there's, okay, so here's their plan, right? They're going to go, and even if they can't actually go into the portal, they're taking a bottle with a message, with everything Fitz needs to know to get them back. And they're going to drop it in the portal. So they head out. They're going for it. There's going to be a canyon between them and the portal, but that's okay. It's only 30 30 meters. They get there and it's 100 meters. And what's Simmons' answer? Must have been an earthquake. What's Will's answer? Planet doesn't want me to leave. And because it's evil. <laughs> and so they have one chance. They're going to what they were going to use to shoot the, the rope across the canyon. They're going to use it to shoot the bottle. And I am watching this. Daniel, did you think they were going to make it into that that hole? Um, No, because we never saw the bottle. We did see the bottle. No, no, on our side, we didn't see the bottle. Oh, I thought they, I was certain they were going to let that thing, <laughs> they were going to make it. And I was just like, oh, come on, give me a break. That's ridiculous. That shot is ridiculous. And then I was, I was not disappointed because he didn't make it. No, um, he made it. He hit that spot. It just closed. Yeah. So he did make the ridiculous shot. I mean, in real life, with how hard it is to actually shoot something, especially from that distance, with a gun that's powered by gas. And with a sight that's a telescope. (laughs) Yeah. He has no right to even hit the spot. In real life, what should have happened is that portal's open. That portal's open. No, he hit the spot. The The portal's open, but he should miss by like 300 yards. Yeah, that's what I – I mean, that's why I'm sitting there going, oh, come on. It's a little unbelievable. But it didn't go in. And now Simmons has lost hope. 
That was their last chance. She wasted the battery on the computer to get them that spot. And they had the plan and didn't work. So it's done. It's done. And we also then, they go back to the cave. And this is where it happens. The kiss. The kiss, Daniel. The kiss that people on Twitter quickly, vaguely spoiled <laughs> with little messages like, how could Simmons do that to Fitz? Well, it has been a long time. It's not like they're going steady. They're not in a committed relationship. She's going to die on this planet. <laughs> this makes for a great a great sci-fi Seinfeld episode, you know. How many days can you be trapped on a barren world with one other person before you're allowed to to kiss them? How many days can you wait? You know, how many days do you have to wait before you're actually cheating on someone on the other side? On on your <laughs> world. They're not dating. They they have a promise of a date. There's no cheating here. Daniel. They're not cheating. This is a a, a Seinfeld joke. Okay? Oh. I'm not I'm not accusing her of cheating. This is not Seinfeld. This is something serious. Yeah, it's something serious, all right. It's seriously disappointing to people who are shipping Fitzsimmons. And well, I, I, will I was say starting that my to house... I was starting to be on that that ship. My house, there was a lot of yelling. A lot of anger, a lot of threats. Now, later, these are all going to subside. Because Will's a good guy. He is. And you know who else is a good guy? Clark Gregg is Agent Phil Coulson. He wasn't in this episode. Did you I notice know, that? I totally. I well, he was. That. He was in a video. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. You know, though, I mean... What do they do? Well, well, we when, come back from our commercial. Gemma, when you don't have Gemma there. Well, apparently when you don't have Gemma in your regular episode, you go ahead and film with her. Daniel, we come back from the commercial. Their beds have been moved together. No longer living in I Love Lucy land where their beds have to be separate. Yep. Is it love, Daniel? Is it love? Or is it just the person you're with? I'm going to go with love. He's a nice guy. I don't know. I don't know. But they're going to go somewhere together on a date. Because they're going to go see a sunrise. And this is the only time in 18 years that they'll get to see it. It'll last just a couple of minutes. They bring some wine. It's bad. It's very, very bad. And again, as they were getting ready to drink the, the wine, I'm just thinking, oh, come on. That would just be terrible. Terrible. And then she spits it out, and I'm just, oh, okay, good. good. But there's still hope, because maybe they could use it in their cooking. Right, right. So and this the nice is thing, Simmons, arc-wise, have, what? arc-wise, she lost hope. She trans- love. 
mm-hmm. has returned her hope. Well, she transferred her hope because that's something I was thinking about too. And this is this is going to be my deep thought for the day. But um, sometimes when we are in a situation where we feel like we have we're losing hope because it's not going the way we are thinking it should go, sometimes maybe instead of losing hope, we should be, you know transferring the focus of our hope and saying, okay, this is what I really wanted to have happen. It didn't, but that's not bad. Now, obviously being trapped on a planet, you know, with a sandstorm death machine guy, um, that is bad. But for her, she, what was she putting her hope in? You know, she was putting her hope in escaping putting her hope in fits, but maybe she's, she's done this. She's put her hope then in, I'm going to hope that you and I can, can build at least a, a little bit of a, a flavorful life here. You know, you and I can be happy. We are here together. And she brought hope to him. They didn't escape together, but he's no longer alone. And Maybe that's part of her being there, you know, is, is that he can now have companionship, if not escape. So anyway, she does have hope for a flavorful meal of plant beast. But then what do they see? What's that flying up into the sky? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No. It's. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm waiting for the answer. Well, I'm, I'm asking you the question. This. Well, it's the flare. It's a flare. From... It's the flare. Right. So they're going after it. They're running. They're being chased by the sandstorm. And she sees an astronaut. What's going on? Uh, it's the death guy. It's it. And she leaves him behind to go after the flare. She hears a gunshot. He has one bullet in his gun. That was his escape policy. She goes. She finds Fitz. He pulls her in. And then we come back to her telling the story. And he's speechless because he knows now why she needs to go back. He's not speaking. He just gets up, storms away. And what does he do? He proves, you say Will is a good guy. Sure, I'll go with you on that. This is where Fitz proves that he's a good guy too. Because he pulls up all that information and says, we're going to go and find him. We're going to get him back. And that's the end of our episode, except for our tag scene. Ben, I have breaking news. What's that? Straight from Twitter, Mark says, Aha, the shot across Canyon brought the sand Fitz noticed on the other side. Now that makes sense. Oh. So the bottle does have significance. It's just not the bottle coming through. It's the impossible sand. That's right. The impossible sand. Nice. 
Nice. Who was it that said that? It was Mark. Yeah. So yeah. can I do this before we go to our listener feedback? Do it. The new prize winner of the day. Nice. Okay, so Act Five, Daniel. Act Five. They have started building a life together. And then they get split apart. What do you think? Well, I think that's a good summary of it. I mean, she's she's changed her her life. She has hope. She has hope in him. Um, it's clear that she's still doing science because now she's calculating when the sun comes. But it's not coming home. Um, we're not hearing her talk about fits until the time we see the, you know, everything. Um, so she's adapting and she's made a life with Will. Now, again, we're talking about a month of the three months that she's been gone. So it's not like forever. But again, it's a significant time, a stressful time, and they're going to be bonded for a good long time. And it's we now know why she has to go back. You know, it's because this is the man who got her through. This is the man that she has come to at least like, like, if not love. She's grown accustomed to his face. She has. Um, he talks back, unlike her phone, with the picture of Fitz. <laughs> it makes it clear why the date was so significant. You know, she's had dinner with another man in the last three months since Fitz asked. Yeah. And here's the other question then. I mean, how many days do you have to wait after being rescued from a barren world and leaving behind the man that you kind of like or maybe even possibly love before going on a date with another man on Earth is cheating. Here, let me do some math. Oh, that's all far. Okay. Um, what? Uh, two episodes. <laughs> okay. Two episodes. Fair enough. Yeah, so we have some relationship stuff left up in the air where Fitz and Simmons obviously still have a fondness and a love for each other on the platonic platonic sense. Am I saying that right? I'm not saying that right. doesn't matter. Um, But then there's also the tug on on Simmons' heart from Will. And that, 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 that's going to be part of our new normal now is how is that going to play itself out before uh, Fitz. I mean, it took him a while to figure out that he actually did like her, like her. And now that he has spent all that time with no other goal other than to bring her back and she's back, you know, he's got to, he's got to choose now. Jealous, love person or helpful friend person and or maybe a little bit of column a and a little bit of column b i guess we'll find out though but he's definitely he's he we're gonna get him back and again if your boyfriend is trapped on a barren world galaxies away fitz is the guy you want to be your best friend because he can, he's, he's the, one he's guy the guy who can, who can bring him back. Yep. So you want to talk about the tag real quick here then? 
Oh, yes. This is simple. Very simple. Will's alive. He doesn't have any bullets. Just can't shoot himself. Shot something. Shot, or he shot at something. Yep. But maybe he's... not Dr. Doom. Maybe it was Dr. Doom. Maybe Dr. Doom's bulletproof. Well, we won't know until at the pace we're going currently with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in an episode and a half when we visit him again. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, this season, we have Ward and his Neo Hydra. We have um, Rosalind, who is a an anti-protagonist, not necessarily an antagonist. We have Lash, and now we have whatever this death thing is on this world with Will. And I'm enjoying some of the conflict we've got setting up. Um, this thing on this world could be a very interesting and fresh and new villain, at least in the terms of the MCU, where where we, we haven't seen a lot of stuff like this other than in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm, I'm hoping to find out that this thing is not just, you know, a manifestation of the, the planet. You know, I'm hoping it's not... A, I'm hoping it's more of a superhero villain type of situation than a Star Trek sci-fi type of situation. Well, Although, the Kree sent the Inhumans there for a reason. Use the monolith against them. What's that? Mike? The Kree used the monolith against yeah. the Inhumans for a reason. It was their death, their check. Perhaps Dr. Doom is death. <laughs> you know, hopefully most people don't know what you're talking about when you're calling him Dr. Doom because they haven't seen that version of the Fantastic Four. But... Oh, I think we all know. It would be very interesting to find out that this is the MCU version of death. The the woman that Thanos wants to impress with all of what he's done. Not that it would be that relationship, but that it would be that character. That would be interesting bringing in some of those cosmic uh, representations, physical representations of cosmic ideas. So That's really all I have to say about this episode. Well, all I would add on is I guess you don't need to see The Martian now, huh? I still need to see it. Well, you don't need to see it now. Just saw 4,722 hours. <laughs> I still need to see The Martian. And I will say, I, I did like this episode. No, it's not at times the most exciting episode. It's very character driven. It gives us a great, great view of Elizabeth Henstridge as mm -hmm. an actress. And they and hung that episode on her. This lives or dies by her. And I think it and, lives. And it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Especially since we're going to go back to our regular pace next week. Well, since episode one with the, with our teaser there, where as a couple people have called out, <laughs> I was wrong about the, um, was she being chased by a transporting beast or whatever? Okay. I was wrong. I'll admit it. I wanted to wait until we got to this episode. I was hoping that I wasn't wrong. I had hope. I'm the voice of hope, not of doom, but, um, I was wrong. It was her time lapse running. Um, and but since that episode, we've been wanting to know what's happening to her on this world, on this planet. And then when she comes back so quickly, we've been waiting for this episode. And we're in we're, this is episode five. <laughs> and we're there already. 
Yep. Our pace has been quick. It has been brisk, but they're Will's giving us a lot of stuff. Will's Shield flying the Zephyr by episode eight. Yeah. I'm very curious where they go with Will. I did try and find out if there was an astronaut named Will in the Marvel Comics universe. I could not find anything. It was a quick search, so maybe someone out there will be able to find something. I did find something. What did you find? And maybe this is our closing of this section. When I searched Marvel astronaut Will, Uh my second hit was Cosmo. (laughs) Yeah, but that's a dog. I know. And we've already seen him in the MCU, so. Yeah, no, that's, I, I saw that too. I, it's just because astronaut in Marvel, which is kind of cool because that means the most important astronaut in Marvel is Cosmo. Yeah, because that's the, the, the unfortunate thing with his name being Will. Is yeah. That's also yeah. an yeah. actual the, word that we use yeah. and pretty commonly. Uh, so when we find out a last name, I think that's when we'll find out if this is an MCU version of a a Marvel character. And I just keep coming back to, there's no reason not to, you know, there's no reason not to name drop minor weird characters that are other than there might be some. Are you talking about the fact that he's name? He's in fact, Vance William Astrovic. Is that Vance Astro's middle name? No, no, I'm pretty sure it's not because Vance Astro did cross my mind. He, Which would be a great tie into Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, well, and there's some the old technology that's outgrown its time. Long mission. Hmm. I wonder but if But no, wonder, I'm pretty sure that Will is not Vance Astros. Well, maybe it is. Let's Okay. Vance I'll, Astro. I'll, I'll get out there. Let's find out if there's a middle name there. Vance Astro. Everybody who, loves it when we Google. We we don't do this hardly ever. Here he is, Vance Astro. Vance Astrovic. That was his original name. But no you gotta more. love a man who takes the name Astrovic and then legally changes it to Vance Astro. Yeah, that's a dude who knows he's destined to be a hero. Oh yeah. Now that's he's from the Guardians of the Galaxy comic. He's from the original. The original, he's the original old team, but then he was also a part of that second series of of in the nineties, and then they've brought him back more recently in the regular, which was really cool because he was no longer supposed to exist, right? But yet there he is. I don't see any middle name for him, but that would be cool if he turned out to be William Vance Astro. Maybe Vance would become his middle name. That's a, that's an MCU thing to do. All right. Let's move on then. Ready? Let's do it. Shield field report. All right, Daniel, how do we want to do this? We have six emails. Three of them are actually from one agent. And they came to you out of order. So the order that I have, we received first uh, from Agent Jessica, Devils You Know, then a Wanted in Human podcast from Agent Jessica, and then Lash is Andrew follow-up from Agent Jessica. So I'm just going to go ahead and read Agent Jessica, and then we can come back to the other stuff, okay? Okay. All right. Agent Jessica writes in about Devils You Know. Wow, what an intense episode. This feels like the lead-up to the mid-season finale, not an episode near the beginning of the season. Not that I'm complaining, but Wow. I think that Andrew isn't dead and that it was the guy holding the phone that was on the ground. I have a super crazy theory that he is actually, wait for it, Lash. 
Once I saw that Lash could transform into a regular person, Andrew was the first person I thought it could be. We really don't know much about him other than what he does for a job and that he loved or loves May. Him being Lash would explain why Lash didn't kill Daisy or go after her at all. Why Andrew left May and why he didn't want to talk about it at S.H.I.E.L.D. and why he is so strict about which Inhumans he recommends to be recruited. I don't think he's approved any. Maybe they are not, quote, worthy. It could just be a coincidence, but either way, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Andrew that got blown up. I hope for Hunter's sake that I'm right, at least about him not dying, because Agent May had her murder eyes on him, and I kind of don't blame her. Simmons wanting to go back to that planet is a tad confusing unless she learned something important or left someone there that she feels like she needs to go help. I'm not quite sure where they are going with this, but I'm super excited to find out what happened to her. I kind of had the feeling she was going to open up to Sky about it in the previous episode, but then Sky got called away to go after Lincoln and couldn't talk. They sure haven't had many scenes together, which makes me think there's going to be a big reveal about the Inhumans, so I'd be more surprised if it wasn't related to them at all. I saw someone tweet that time probably passed different on that planet than on Earth, so it could have been a lot longer for her than it was for the rest of the team. I'm liking Daisy and Mac working together more than I thought I would. I like Mac a lot better this season so far than I did last season. I would like to see more scenes with Daisy and the rest of the team, though. I miss the interaction between her and Fitzsimmons. I like Rosalind so far, even though I don't trust her all the way. I think she's an interesting character, and I like the dynamic between her and Coulson. I'm not really liking her team much, but we haven't really seen enough of them for me to decide for sure. I hope none of them are Hydra, even if they turn out to be, even if they turn out not to be good guys. It was nice to see May back in action to back up Hunter again. I think they are an interesting pairing. Hopefully Hunter didn't just ruin that. I also enjoy Bobby with Fitz and Simmons still. She is awesome no matter what she does. And I'm liking the continued relationship building with her and Simmons that started last season. So what do you think will happen with Lincoln? Do you think he will end up working with S.H.I.E.L.D. or just Daisy? And also, what cameos or guest stars do you think will get this season? Scarlet Witch would be interesting. I doubt we'll see her, but it would be a cool fit with the Inhumans. And any of the Daredevil characters would be fun. Really, I'd be happy with any MCU guest star. Well, it's late, and that's about all I have this time. Keep up the great work, guys. Agent Jessica. So quickly, her question, what do you think will happen with Lincoln, Daniel? Seeker Warrior. You think he's going to join in the fold? Secret Warrior. I don't know. Secret Warrior is at the end of the day, especially before that series is over. That's Daisy's team. He wants to work with Daisy. He's a Secret Warrior. Maybe. Maybe. And I'm going to just say this. The way this pace is going, we got to get some Secret Warriors on the screen. Especially when you look at the tag for next week and it's got an image of our agents and it's hunter bobby and may whatever happened to whatever happened to colson <laughs> well i'm sure he'll be in the next episode i mean it looks like there's you know stuff going on on the plane stuff going on on the base i'm sure he'll be around all right so yeah here's our next email from agent jessica this is subject a wanted inhuman podcast I am listening to the podcast for a wanted inhuman and had to comment on what is being said about Daisy not doing her job when she went to visit Simmons. I had to pause it so I could write this real quick because I think you're putting the wrong focus on the scene. To me, this scene is showing that Simmons was actually ready to open up to Sky, Daisy, 
But then they got interrupted and Daisy had to leave. When I watched the scene, I was freaking out because Simmons seemed like she actually wanted to talk to Daisy about it, which we hadn't seen her do with anyone up to that point. And I'm guessing it's because Daisy is an inhuman and it relates to her. I'm guessing that Simmons has a whole new perspective on the inhuman thing and maybe feels connected to Sky somehow. Anyway, I'm going to resume listening now, trying to catch up. Agent Jessica. P.S. That Jessica Jones trailer is awesome. That show looks so, intense. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. And, so close. So close, but so far. Well, Agent Jessica, I mean. I was totally going to give her a no prize for calling you out on something you should have never said. What? She the, had the, to go and say, sky, they, you know. The sky wasn't doing her job. human, and it kind of went south. Yeah. Well. But a good job, good job on calling Agent been out on his, well. <laughs> You're just grumpy, Daniel. You're just grumpy. That's why you're wanting to do this. I'm not agreeing with you about Jeff Bridges. I still think Jeff Bridges is cool in anything he does, Daniel. I don't care what you say. I'm just telling you, I can fix that. And I don't care how many people you can get on Facebook to agree with you. It's because I'm right. <laughs> anyway, I, I could accept that that. The, a punch to the face. You could accept a punch to the face. Okay. Yeah. Daniel. <laughs> I could accept that. Metaphorically, of course. Yeah. You don't want to metaphorically punch Jeff Daniels in the face or Bridges. No. I, I, you Jeff like Daniels Jeff Daniels, don't you? Yeah. Jeff Bridges. Did you see him in The Martian? I didn't see The Martian yet. <laughs> I really want to see The Martian. You're, you're, <laughs> you're killing my buzz, man. Killing no, the buzz. There. Jeff Bridges, but Jeff Daniels totally in the margin. Okay. Can we talk about Sky not doing her job or doing her job as the case may be? No, because she already took care of it for you. No, I'm just She's saying, I can accept that, that the, she was talking to Simmons and doing her job while she was talking to Simmons and got interrupted. Yeah. I, <sighs> I'm all flustered. All right. Finally, from Agent Jessica. Subject, uh, Lash is Andrew follow-up. By the way, we've had some interesting theories about who Lash could be. This was the first person I saw who put out the Lash is Andrew idea. There's also the Lash is Rosalind. And Lash is Trip. And Lash is someone completely different that we haven't met before, which is my theory. That it's, it's someone... I know that Lash isn't Trip. Daniel... he got off the bus. I like the theory that Lash's trip. But he's not on a plane. Agent Jessica writes in and says, I know this is the third time writing in this week, but I just wanted to follow up on my Lash's Andrew theory because I rewatched the Lash episode and my theory totally holds up. There was plenty of time between the Lash scenes and the Andrew scenes for it to be him. And a lot of things worked in what Andrew said and did. There were several things in this last episode, Devils You Know, worked especially well in addition to what I already pointed out. First, Andrew was looking at the injured Alicia back at the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, almost like he was trying to figure her out. And later he got mad at Coulson for not telling him about her or letting him meet her before. It makes sense because he tried to kill her, but she is actually working with them and he didn't know about it. It sounded like he didn't even know about the recruiting mission at all. So he wouldn't have known that Daisy and Mac were going to meet that particular inhuman couple. Another huge thing was the last scene where Werner von Strucker ran out of the building just before it blew up. He was totally freaked out 
and I don't think it was because he just blew up a building. It doesn't make sense that he would have been scared unless something unexpected happened. Like seeing the guy he was supposed to kill, or threaten, just turn into a huge monster and kill at least one of the guys he was with. The guy on the floor. Finally, there were other little things this episode. There was a scene where Andrew was talking to Simmons about how it's okay to struggle and feel uncomfortable in your own skin, which all felt like he was speaking from personal experience. Andrew just leaving May randomly fits if it was due to him taking fish oil, turning into Lash, and not knowing how to deal with it. What Fry said about Lash, do you think he likes what he's doing? He doesn't, and he's just a guy trying to do the right thing. There were several things in the second episode when he first went after Lincoln that fits as well, but this is getting lengthy. If Andrew is not Lash, then I don't think it's anyone we've seen this season so far. If he is Lash, it's going to get even more interesting than I expected going into this season. Agent Jessica. The new prize winner of the day. It's a well thought out theory, Daniel. Well thought out. Except for one problem. Yes. And you're the one who brought it up. Yeah. Which is we've already chased the clairvoyant. Yes. That is my one problem and, with this idea of it being of a bad guy be, being someone we've seen and someone we've trusted. And heavy does that theory rest on my head. Yeah. Because it's a different situation because of motivation and maybe even because of control, like maybe when he's lash, he doesn't have any control over uh, that mission. Maybe he he becomes like a different personality. But Garrett was someone we trusted, and Garrett turned out to be a bad guy. He turned out to be the clairvoyant, the mystery character. And the clairvoyant situation is what causes me to wonder if Lash is really going to be someone we haven't met, which is Agent Jessica's second theory. Someone we haven't met so far. So, yeah, but it is well thought out. And if I was going to be convinced of any theory, it's Jessica talking right now about, about Andrew. Well, it's good to see someone can convince you of things that are reasonable. No one cares about Jeff Bridges in our argument, Daniel. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying you need to read Agent Stephanie's. Uh, message. All right. Agent Stephanie here. Has anyone considered giving Jeff Bridges a good... Never mind, never mind. Hi, agents. I spent all summer at work binge listening to 44 Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. Yikes. As well as the movie episodes that I'm finally caught up only a few weeks late for season three. And it's been so good. On the identity of Lash, I'm going to give the credit to Agent Dad for coming up with this, but we think that the leader of the ATCU's tag team is a big blue mole. The perfect place to find the new Inhumans would be right under the nose of the woman tasked with containing them. It would explain how Lash was able to get to them ahead of both the ATCU and S.H.I.E.L.D. The agent, does the agent does he have a name, left Fry's apartment before the rest of the team, and would have known the perfect place to ambush the truck on the way back to their base. Lash left Daisy alive after killing Fry. Perhaps this means he judges her worthy of her abilities as the person Raina foretold would lead the Inhumans. Or perhaps he just knew Daisy wasn't a threat to him yet with the HTCU slash S.H.I.E.L.D. truce. Hopefully S.H.I.E.L.D. keeps this new intel to themselves. Either way, I'm sure it will be a thrilling conclusion that seems to come way too soon in the season. 
only for us to realize it's just a tiny piece of an even bigger plot line in typical Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fashion. Now you can go back to listen to all of your Agent Carter and Daredevil episodes I had to skip to make it here. Also hearing the Cubs updates made me sad. So thanks for that. Go Cubs go. Agent 70 out. Go ahead, play it. What? She gets a no prize. Come on. You are a cruel, cruel man. It was for the Cubs, okay? That's all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is for real. The no prize winner of the day. I'm sorry. I've got to tease you about the Cubs for a little bit. Unfortunately, Agent Stephanie got caught in the crossfire on that. So I do apologize, Agent Stephanie. But yes, another solid theory. What's ironic, by the way, Agent Stephanie, is at one point, when we say Ben held hostage, at one point I did actually make him wait because the Cubs were on base. It was late. And not that long of a time period before I came back. It was long enough for me to take a short nap. Agent Rico writes in about Ward and says, while it may seem silly that Ward is throwing around shield terms in his Hydra, it does make sense. He's trying to rebuild Hydra the way he saw it, which was S.H.I.E.L.D. pre-Winter Soldier. I don't know how big Garrett was in Hydra, but I can... I don't know how big Garrett was in Hydra, but I can say pretty much that he didn't figure much into Hydra in the big picture as much as Von Strucker. We've seen that Grant or that Garrett wasn't all that much of a true believer in Hydra's goal and just thought they were more useful to him than Fury was. I bring this up to point out that Ward was directly under Garrett, and thus doesn't seem to have the same mission statement as the original Hydra. In fact, his mission statement can be considered small potatoes to the... His mission statement can be considered small potatoes to the current situation at hand. I wonder if he'll figure into this inhuman arm race, because he hasn't factored into it yet. Always careful of laser fingers, Agent Rico. And... Yeah, I've I've started referring to Ward's Hydra as Neo Hydra. It is definitely a different, um, a, a different structure, a different organization, and Ward himself. Yeah, I mean this this makes sense. He he is resurrecting Hydra as he saw Hydra, and. He wasn't really involved in the the day to day to day operations, as far as we know. So, there we go. All right, one last email, Daniel. Would you care? All right. to... The title is Jeff Bridges. No, <laughs> nobody cares. Agents of Shield episode four from Agent Dallas. I have a theory this season leading up to Secret Warriors, as we see at the end of this episode. Werner von Strucker blew up the store with at least one person dead inside. I think that Werner turned on the henchmen and ultimately saved Andrew. Possibly we'll see a very similar storyline where kids of the enemy join with S.H.I.E.L.D. to bring down Hydra. Overall, another great episode, and look forward to Simmons' episode. Hopefully, so many questions will be answered. And Agent Dallas, I think we had a lot of questions answered. A I mean, lot we, of answers were given. Yeah, I, But I do have a problem with Werner turning on Ward. Well, maybe I don't have a problem turning on Ward. I have a problem with him allying himself as a true believer with S.H.I.E.L.D. because I think he's a little bit of a narcissist. So I can see him turning on Ward, but I can't see him really 
becoming buddy-buddy with S.H.I.E.L.D. for Truzies. But if Andrew is Lash, then it absolutely makes sense that he would look at Lash as, oh, hey, I could use this as a power play. Huh? 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 Yeah, I got nothing. Well, I, I, I like the theories that have been brought forth here in this discussion about the fourth episode. But um, I do think it's time for us to say goodbye, Daniel. I think it's time for us to move on to our post-credit discussion of Heroes Reborn. And I, I do want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for sending in the messages. Thank you for talking with us on Facebook about things like crazy pictures that get posted and all that kind of things. And so, um, yeah, great big giant thank you going out to you. Yes, you listening right now, wherever you might be. So that's my final word. Daniel, you have any final word? And I'm just going to say, when you're binge watching, a, a binge listening to a bunch of episodes of Welcome to Level 7, I know at times that can seem a little, a little foreboding, a little onerous, a little maybe even depressing. But remember, <laughs> there's always hope. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. The quote I would have gone with, Daniel. I'm going to eat the shower while falling asleep. <laughs> that's the that's the one that mm. stuck out to me. It's a little gross. Well, because that's how I feel. I am so tired usually. So what you're telling me, Ben, is you're going to eat naked. Uh, that's not... No... <sighs> That's not what I was. That's not what I meant. If you're in a shower, you need to be naked. No, you if don't. It's going to be effective. But I'm I'm in the shower to eat, not to clean. Mm. You shouldn't have brought then that. Then the up, water's Daniel. not reaching that that spot on your back effectively. You had to go there, didn't you? I did. I did. Can we talk about Heroes Reborn real quick? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me just? Go ahead and take over like I always do. No, no, I want to. I want to have my fir first word, and then you can go. Okay. But um, I felt a lump in my throat in this episode, and I don't usually feel lumps in my throat when I'm watching television. Other than uh, sometimes when I'm watching like a telephone commercial or a Hallmark commercial with kids and grandparents. <laughs> But 
yeah, there was a moment that we are about to spoil that caused me to get a lump in my throat. Now, is the reason you got the lump because of the fact that Quentin's dead? That or, which, which led to much crying and gnashing of teeth in my household. No, that, or that's it. Is, or is it the fact that his sister did it? Well, there's, there. I mean, it's the whole scene. His sister did it. Um, he was trying to turn his sister back, you know, away from evil. Uh, HRG lying to him as, you know, you did great, you know. And then, you know what did it? And this is stupid. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? HRG lying to him? Well, he asks him, did I do it? Did it work? You know, he, he's asking him, did I do it? Did I get my sister to be not evil? And yeah, he smiles, he nods, you did great. Daniel. You, from a certain point of view, that's accurate. From a certain point of view. And as soon as you say that, you're revealing yourself to be a big fat stinking liar like Obi-Wan Kenobi is and was. No, Daniel, what brought the lump in my throat? And this is where it's kind of stupid. There's that joke at the beginning where Quentin calls Noah buddy. Oh, why do you have to do this to me? That was going to be my final, final line of the episode. Well, but that's, that's what brought it. And I, I felt so stupid because it's like, don't call me that. And then Noah looks at Quentin, calls him buddy. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, but that's that's Noah admitting it. And then you're like, oh, Noah just lost someone here, too. Well, but the, and the thing that's kind of clear in this episode is Noah does have friends. He rose his friend. He calls him a friend. Mm -hmm. And they have a relationship that I would say maybe we didn't see fully the first time through we where, did not I, I don't think where so they're really you know on the same page and and they're working together and you know hero uses a shorthand with noah that you know noah seems to understand and hero seems to understand noah's motivations without them being said and and it's because they somewhere along the line became friends and so Noah can have friends. And, and in the end, as part of the buddy picture, Quentin was his friend. Now, we also know the following. Hero will not let this stand. A crime was committed against time. He's going to unwrite it. And, and one of the great debates about heroes the first time through was hero is the reset button. Now, that doesn't mean that he can save everyone. He didn't save Charlie in the end. But he... You know, was that was a big complaint. You can just reset everything with Hero. Do I think he's going to reset everything? No. I think if he's going to reset everything, that somehow Claire would be reemerging. But Claire's on Claire's in Nashville, not Odessa. I am not convinced that we won't see Claire. I know we've been told we won't. I know that I they have said she is dead, dead, dead. But I'm not convinced that I we're think done. if she shows up, she shows up recast. I don't even know about that. I think I, I'm just I'm putting it out there. This would be bigger than Fury showing up on Agents of Shield. Absolutely not. No, it really would because it would have it would have been kept that secret. No, 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 it, no. I 
No, but I will. I will say this: Quentin's not dead. He's coming back. Hero's going to reset him. Yeah. Then I'll feel really stupid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Quentin's coming back. Quit making me feel stupid. He's part of main cast. Yeah, but how many episodes in are we? Mm, six. Okay, so we're not even halfway. I mean, this is episode. Yeah, this is episode six. Game over. Yeah, but how many episodes has Ward appeared in? Last season, he was main cast, but I don't know if Maybe he was Maybe two or half. three. The thing is, is, you know, we've got two episodes coming up about June 13th. Okay? So with two episodes about June 13th coming up, we could have our dead cast members show back up. Quentin could be there, which would be interesting. You know, how does Noah react seeing his friend? And another member of main cast is Joanne Collins, who we haven't seen for two episodes either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other big thing was Hero actually appearing. And I, I'm, I was watching this on my iPad on the NBC app. And before the first commercial break of this episode, they played a promo for the next episode that showed that it was Hero. He, he was in it. But we knew he was coming. And no, wait, wait, wait. How did this work? No. Last episode, they showed a preview for this episode that we're talking about that showed Hero. And and so I knew going into this that he was going to be he was going to be there. And it was nice to see him. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Hero's an old friend. He is. Uh, again, uh, Luke Collins on his way to redemption against uh, all th- any things that anger me. But perhaps if uh, if Hero can do some things on June thirteenth, maybe he won't be a serial killer. Yeah, well, I mean that's really if you're going to have Zachary Levi make it through as a hero till the end, and it's not because he's sacrificing himself, you have to find a way to stop him from becoming a serial killer. And um, our friend Carlos is the worst Batman ever. He's the best Batman because he's bouncing his victims' heads off cars (sighs) dashboards. But he's the worst Batman because he actually trusts the people that he has captured. Well, there's still the possibility that the guy was just – I mean he he knocks him out. But it's still possible that they're going to go through with the plan as it stands, even with him poisoning him and making him feel really, really sick. you know, Quentin's dead. Okay. And, and that's one of the big things, you know, I'm worried for hero because like all of our guest stars have died. Let me just throw this out. Yeah. Miko's dead now too. Yeah. Is she main cast? She's main cast. So. And the thing about Miko is the only way that she could, you know, save hero, the master of time and space, which we totally knew was, uh, our main man. Um, the only way you could do that was to have her die. Yeah. And I could see a nice little element for Hero's own story, you know, going back in time to save his daughter, his own daughter. No, that's not Hero's daughter. It's not? No. How does that work it's then? Hero's sword. It's Hero's sword, but whose daughter is she then? Miko is the daughter of the Nevermore game designer. Oh, so that's not Hero. That's not Hero. Uh, Hero's the master oh, of time that. and space. 
not her father. She thought she was going to save her father. Well, so did I. But the quest that her father sent her on was not to save him. It was to save the master of time and space. Okay. Well, I completely misread that one. Completely. What kind of father sends his kid to die to save himself? That's just cruel. Well, no. Don't call me buddy when you respond. She was already dead. She died in an accident, and then he created a computer-generated version. Well, she seems to be able to fall in love. Oh, there's definitely things going on more than a computer-generated character would normally be able to do. So she kind of seems like a person to me. Yeah, well, she'll be back. (laughs) Hey, do you want me to get really excited? Get really excited. Did you know that Ryan Guzman, who plays... Worst Batman ever is in Gem and the Holograms. I'm glad you got excited about that. No, no, you, you, I don't, I don't care. I'm one of the majority of the United States that will never see Gem and the Holograms. I will only see it if the opportunity comes. I am interested enough to watch it. If it comes to me, I'm not going to it. It has to come to me. Yeah. So here, here's what I'll say. I mean, we've, we've got people. Now on the road to destiny, we've got them all heading to the plaza at the end of season one um, because we've got Luke pointed to the right direction. He's got purpose now. He's going to save the world. Um, we've got Tommy buying into it, and we've got people looking for him. Um, we've got Melina, who's well on her path. Basically, our heroes are all getting to the point. And again, they, they hung a, a lampshade on it. They're accepting the call. Yeah. I I like the way they hung the lampshade, though, which is, here's a comic book. What would this hero do in this comic book? What would a comic book hero do? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And it's the lost, what is it, 33rd episode issue mm-hmm. of Ninth Wonders well, in the, French. Well, the, the one he never got. I, he never got. Was it in French? I'm pretty sure it was in French. Okay. I thought it was in English, but regardless of what language it was in, that's the one. I mean, it's almost like he was destined to be there at that moment. Wait, this is heroes. He was destined to be there at that moment where that book was to inspire him. You know, she was going to use that to inspire him. She had no idea that how inspiring it would be to him because of what it was. And yeah. And, and again, we, we get a tie into well, a hero that we haven't seen forever. You know, it's been a long time since the comic book was truly relevant. And how many did he make before he died? Spoilers. Yeah, it was cool to see that. It was nice to see Hero. Uh, Like I said before, I feel like this is really fitting in with when Heroes was good. When Heroes was really good at the beginning. This is this is feeling a lot like that. Well, again, it's not just here's when it was really good. I really do. I'm I'm gonna keep saying it. I think that Kring is hitting reset. He's getting to say the story he wants to to say. Now, if his special effects would just catch up, Ugh. you know. There was some not so great special effects here. And bubbles and wind, buddy. Bubbles and wind. Yeah, that was almost embarrassing. Don't call me buddy. I didn't. <laughs> you called me buddy. It's the grumpiness. Yeah. Okay. So I will say this uh, again. There, there's a little bit, a lot to love in this episode. A little bit to make you tense. I, I okay. I sent you a lot of tense 
uh, somebody coming yes, at Harris with a sword, that makes me tense. Think about what happens there, my friends. Think about what happens with Harris versus sword. Um, if it's prime. And uh, I will say uh, I had plans to watch the next episode, June 13th, part one, on a different day of the week. And I was informed that when I was alone, I was not allowed to watch it. I had to wait for someone else to show up. Well, I hope you honor that request just out of being a good guy. It depends on my grump level. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I'm not sure when I'm going to watch it. But I'm sure that I will tease you again with my emotional state. After well, it didn't help that I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, because you were out four by fouring. Yeah, I was in the middle. Of the, yeah, I was literally in the middle of woods. Yeah, that's why I felt comfortable teasing you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to bring this episode to an end. So here we go. Thanks for listening again to this little mini Heroes Reborn review. And we will be back next week with another. Don't call me buddy. (laughs) Okay, I won't.